Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, better late than never. You know, living in Southern California, sometimes we got to fight through traffic. So I apologize to everybody and thank you so much for hanging on. Uh, normally, I would sit here and ramble about something and go on. I will say this, though, uh, and I know we'll get into this with Carmen, but the, the referee situation in the NFL, and we saw it on Monday night, like it is getting out of hand. And listen, it's fine. It's It's not the reason the Bears lost. It's not the reason the Eagles lost. But at some point, there needs to be some accountability. There needs to be, like the players, you know, when the players make mistakes, guys get cut and things go on and there's, you know, public accountability. For the referees, we never really see it. We get a form letter like, oh, we apologize. We missed eight calls. Uh, Sorry you lost, LOL. Uh, At some point, all we ask, just, just be more transparent. But listen, let's just start the show, Sammy. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Ranks. So much to get to with the Chicago Bears. Let's waste no time. Let's bring on our our co-host, Carmen Vitale. How are you? Sorry for the delay, Carmen. How are you this evening? I'm doing wonderful. No worries at all, I understand. How are you? I'm doing well. I had uh, some things going on, but we're here now, which all that, which is all that matters. So uh, ready to talk about the Bears. You were in Green Bay over the weekend. Uh, how was that, though? Uh, yeah, it was a very unexpected, or maybe expected, if you were going off the series history and Aaron Rodgers against the Cowboys. I think all week it was like, oh, this should be an easy one. Dallas coming off the bye and, and you know, playing well and the Packers struggling. And that's not what happened. In fact, Aaron Rodgers just decided to be the boogeyman still um, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. But Really what was interesting is I think that Green Bay kind of found their offensive identity, which is going to be very interesting to see if they stick with it going forward, but they leaned very heavily on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and it worked. Imagine that. Yeah. What we've been calling for all this time, it's the running game. And of course that's what's been so successful for the Chicago bears. Once again, running the football, but we're befelled by a, a couple of mishaps here and there. There was obviously some penalty issues. There was also some clay calling issues as we're looking back over the Chicago Bears right now, uh, some winnable games that have gotten away from us. What is your overall read on the team right now? 
I mean, they're still obviously figuring things out. I mean, they had yet another offensive line shuffle, uh, given that Tevin Jenkins couldn't go. That hip injury is a little bit more serious than I think a lot of people believed or thought. And so he wasn't able to go. So then, you know, you're already, you're, it's just, they're still figuring things out. They're still learning. I mean, yes, they're, they've caught fire a little bit and they've been very productive scoring 30 points, you know, in the last few games, but that still doesn't mean that the rest of everything is figured out. So I just think that, you know, they shot themselves in the foot in a lot of ways with their penalties and, but that's very easily correctable, which I think is the encouraging part of that. Um, but that's going to happen when you're still learning and you're still growing within a system is you're just not going to be on your P's and Q's because you don't really know what those P's and Q's are yet. I'm not worried about it. And again, I'm still stressing, like they're figuring it out. That doesn't mean that they need to win right now. (laughs) Right. But it was, it was a heartbreaker because I, you know, they had the lions and then all of a sudden they came creeping back and, you know, the mixed extra point is just a killer. Um, but I mean, you know, credit to the Lions too. They're they're figuring their stuff out as well. And um, Amon Rossi Brown, Brown had such a wonderful game, and with his family in the stands, him and EQ's parents were there with their split jerseys and all. So you know, he showed out a little bit. Yeah, super thrilled for him. But I, you know, it's funny <laughs> though when you say you, so many of these mistakes are correctable. You're like, I I can't make referees throw pass interference calls when they're blatantly obvious. That's that you know, I I don't want to get into it too much because again, I know that refereeing has been <coughs> kind of an issue throughout the NFL. Like it's a big thing. Like everybody's talking about it. Fans of all sorts of teams, Eagles fans today, are sitting there complaining about it as well. But at yeah. the same time, like it, there are so many momentum killers. Like even on the first couple of drives, like some penalties yeah. where you're like, "What are you calling?" Then they're not calling it tight. But then they want it. I, I don't know. I get confused. And again, I wish for some ca- accountability. But at the same time, I think that there at some point, these things are going to happen. And there's going to be things that are out of your control. I want to see them battle through it a little bit more. I think that, you know, it's cool. I know some people are like, well, I don't care because the draft position goes up. The Bears two weeks ago had the 16th overall pick. Now they're in the top seven. I think they have sixth overall right now. I still want to win football games. Am I a lunatic? Why am I alone? It feels like me and draft Dr. Phil are the only ones who are sitting here wanting to win football games. Are we so wrong? I mean, no, you're, you're right alongside with the players, the coaches. It's not like these guys are trying to suck either. or trying to not win games. Um, I do think that there are like, I think you should focus on the fact that they are making tangible improvements, even in losses uh, everybody wants to learn those lessons during wins. Great. I understand that, but that's in an idealistic world and that can't always happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly, like I'm, I'm totally fine with them not winning. And I think that you can take a lot of stuff from, you know, just the, like their, like their defense, which is what killed them against the lions and allowed the lions yeah. to, you know, come back and stay in the game and all the other stuff. Like your defense took a step back because you traded away your de- both of your defensive captains. Like, that is inevitably going to happen. And so the expectations for this team cannot be to win games right now when you're doing, you're making moves like that to build towards the future um, and to evaluate what you have and do all that kind of stuff. So I just, I, I don't think that that's a fair expectation to place on this team in its current iteration. Now, after this next off season, yes, expect to win games. They should expect to win them. Well, I'm wondering too, like I saw my man EJ tweet out something today and I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, but can you like, 
Arvid, would Eberflus be in danger of losing the locker room after losing a couple of games like this? Or is this just something like, because it's kind of like, I don't know that there's anything that the coach could be doing to really help out. Like, right. you got to go out there and make plays at some point. Is there ever a situation where, like, they would lose the locker room or something like that? No, I, and I think that if he was the type to kind of take his foot off the gas and whatever, then that's the only way that you lose the rock locker room, and that's not something Eberflus is doing. Uh, when it comes down to it, like, they can have the, a great play and a great game plan, uh, but players have to execute it, and that's kind of where this is all breaking down. I mean, we hear Matt Eberflus say it every week in his press conferences, like, things just weren't executed execution is our problem yada 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 and that falls uh, honestly that falls a lot on the players and so i think the players feel a lot of responsibility for the outcomes of these games and so they're not going to you know in turn blame their coaching staff which is again still learning along with them too and i think they've been very transparent about that with the players because they've been transparent about it in the media as well yeah so i have to think that they've been very transparent with their players like yes we're still learning they're taking accountability and i think that that's a big thing though across the board is accountability is being taken across the board with the players, with the coaches and they're, they're in it together. So I don't think that there's yeah. any danger of losing the locker room. I think Eberflus is doing and saying, saying the right things, but more importantly, doing the right things even behind closed doors. Yeah. As ridiculous as it sounds when Eberflus was in that video for Chase Claypool, welcoming him to the Chicago bears, accepting the scepter for the angry runs that I don't know. I don't know how that played with other people, but that to me was like that. Yeah, you know what? How do you not love playing for a guy like that? I think that he's so engaging and everything like that. And I think that those are the, those are the kind of things that go. I think have to play well in the locker room. And and speaking of Chase Claypool, what was his like? Like his snaps went down this week. Was this just a, an issue of them like, oh, maybe he doesn't know the offense as well as we thought, and they got to bring him up to speed? What 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 attributed to that? Well, I think also what you're seeing, so like the first game, you know, he doesn't know the offense still, and he's going to take a couple of games to do that. I think when you bring a player in, um, especially because like you kind of have the element of surprise on your opponent, you're going to try and get them involved in the game plan a little bit more. At least this is like my theory behind it. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, okay, he just needs to learn the offense. You're not going to keep making special packages that are just like, all right, Chase go run a nine and like, yeah. and then I keep telling him every single time because he's not, Hey, he's not going to learn that way either. So I think it's just a matter of he's now not like they're not coddling or maybe creating special, like special circumstances for him while he learns the rest of the offense. And I mean, also it could have just been that Cole Komet caught fire and yeah. he was their, their more reliable receiver at that point. I mean, not that, Chase and Cole are the same type of player. Obviously, Cole's a tight end, but they are that big-bodied receiver. And it just so happened that there were more things that ha that went in favor of – and that could be a matchup thing, too. Um, they liked the matchups that they had with Cole better than they did with Chase and, mm -hmm. and the Lions. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, Jeff Okuda got that interception uh, off of Justin Fields. Like, they have pieces in that secondary, and they changed some things around, especially the – like, since firing Aubrey Pleasant who's now with the Green Bay Packers. Um, and they've, they've done some different things with their backfield. So I think it could have been matchup things. I don't, I don't think that um, there's anything to read into necessarily there. And I think that, you know, he's going to be, he'll be fine and he'll be a, a significant part of this offense. Yeah. I just know, I, you know, it's funny because I saw somebody started Chase Claypool over Raheem Mostert in fantasy football. And speaking of fantasy football, 
Underdog Fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, sign up with the promo code SICK, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. And, of course, you saw around the league, in addition to Khalil Herbert being placed on IR, Cooper Cup is going to be on IR as well. So if you're bummed out about your fantasy season and want to go in and play some of the some of the multitude of games that Underdog Fantasy has to offer, you can do some pick'em games that are a lot of fun. Like there is so much to explore with the Underdog Fantasy app. I implore everybody to go check it out. At the very least, download it. Uh, so you have the app on your phone, so that way you can continue to get updates on these players as they come available. Because again, the uh, Underdog Fantasy app alerted me this morning that Cooper Cup was placed on the IR, so I appreciated that. So go in, uh, get your first deposit uh, updated up to one or matched up to $100. And speaking of that, though, it's so funny to me because, you know, there are people who already like, well, they they, they used a second round pick on this guy and, you know, <laughs> they barely use it. You're like, dude, it's been two games. Like, it's chill out. Like, it takes some time to get to, to know this team and get to know the offense and everything like that. And we still have like good wide receivers uh, who, who are not active on Sunday uh, and kill Harry did not play Valus Jones jr. Who, by the way, I've been in contact with, he's in good spirits. He's still working his butt off. So we're encouraged by their attitudes and everything like that. So I think ultimately we're going to be looking at a running back or excuse me, a wide receiver room that is pretty good. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of available choices to us. But speaking of the running backs, and I mentioned a moment ago about Khalil Herbert going on IR, what does this mean for Ebner? Are they ready? Is he is he ready to go? Are we just running with David Montgomery and Ebner, and we're just gonna we're gonna continue to go after it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see an uptick in Dave Montgomery's usage on the ground. Um, you know, he catches passes really well and all that other stuff. But, I mean, this this offense is very much predicated on the run. They had another 250 yards on the ground this last game. Um, so you're going to need somebody else to kind of swap in and out with, uh, with Dave Montgomery. And then, of course, Justin Fields will probably still lead. Um, but I don't think that there's as much pressure on him as, you know, maybe and any other team really that doesn't have a running quarterback like Justin Fields because Fields is by far and away leading this team in rushing yards uh, in the last, you know, few since whatever the Patriots game really. Um, and yeah, so I feel like that's, you have him, you have David Montgomery, and then you have Justin Ebner who you can, swap out and put in on, you know, third down situations, even uh, if you trust him in pass protection and all that kind of stuff, which will be interesting to see. I think that's the, the, that's the big question mark on him is how much, you know, he can help in that regard because otherwise you're not going to get the best out of David Montgomery. If you're going to have to keep him in to, to pass block. Yeah. And remember when everybody was trying to get rid of David Montgomery, they're ready to move on from him. And now you see what happens. This is why you have a stable of running backs, which is something that you've been preaching over the last number of weeks as people have been like, do we trade David Montgomery? Nope. This is why you keep him. This is why you hold on to him. And this is probably why he's going to end up getting a contract extension with the bears at some point, or at least we hope uh, do want to take. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, we love David Montgomery. We're big David Montgomery fans. So hopefully he's going to be a member of the okay. Chicago bears for quite some time. But I think uh, speaking of time, probably time to get to some questions. I know again, thanks to everybody who has been very patient with us or with me. It's been my, it was only me. It was my fault. So I apologize. But Sammy, do we have any questions out there? Are people chiming in? Uh, how about the way Cole Komet has been playing? He's been balling out, uh, lift mm -hmm. for pancakes. 
You know, I think that we have both been in concert in talking about how great Cole Komet can be in this offense. And of course, friend of the show, Ill Will, was on here as well. We've been talking about Cole Komet for some time. Listen, people are trying to talk me out of it, but I, I'm, I'm so close to calling him the George Kittle of the Chicago Bears. Do I need to calm down? Have I gone too far now? Am I, am I getting out there? No, honestly, I think, you know, it's only going to go up from here. And the reason behind that, too, is you've seen how much Justin Fields. So we talk about, too, how this offense is tailored to Justin Fields' skill set and how it changed and all the other stuff. It didn't just change for Justin Fields. There's a domino effect behind all of this. And that was evident in that third quarter touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown that Cole Komet caught, because essentially the, like, the defense thought that Cole Komet was staying in to block on a designed run is essentially mm-hmm. what they thought on that play because, you know, you have to account for Justin Fields. And so you think that you're going to, you know, he's going to stay in, he's going to help all that other stuff. He releases into a route and then gets lost behind the defense. Yeah. So this is like, this is the type of stuff though, that helps like Fields. Yes. Great. He is playing to his strengths, all that other stuff, but it unlocks so much for all of these other players just because of the fact of how defenses have to play Justin. And they have to be honest with him, with themselves about him, or he, he keeps them honest. And that you see, you know, just a lot of guys that having to account for him. And then that leaves guys <clears throat> with favorable matchups downfield, getting lost behind the defense, you know, just not accounted for, or, you know, they think that he's going to do something else because he very well could stay in and block. That's why tight ends are so important, especially to this offense, because you never know essentially what they're going to do. They could, they could stay in, they could release. And you don't know that pre-snap. It's so amazing, too, to listen to all the praise, obviously for Justin Fields. It's been going on and on now over the last couple of weeks. But now people are coming around to Cole Komet, especially in the fantasy realm. We had a we had a question on NFL Fantasy Live today where some guy said that if he had used all of his fab, his fab money, his free agent auction bids, uh, that money on Cole Komet, he was going to end up getting a divorce. And I think he's he's a single man now because he was going all in. On Cole Komet. And it is one of those things that you feel is going to be sustainable because, as you said, the threat of running is always going to be there for Justin Fields and it's going to create a lot of mismatch opportunities for Cole Komet. Now we're starting to see what they loved about him in the pre draft, uh, in the pre draft portion before he was selected to the Chicago Bears. Of course, he was selected by Ryan Pace, who, you know, you got to give Ryan Pace some credit for some of these picks that he made in. And Cole Komet has been one who's been really, you know, building over the last couple of weeks. And you love to see it. Perhaps he can grow his hair out like George Kittle. I don't know if he's into wrestling, but he does the angry runs already. He's a he's a physical force. So we'd love to see it out of Cole Komet. So could not be more thrilled or more happy for him. How about another question there, Sammy? Can the Bears defense get better this season? You know what? I... I don't know. I'll ask you, is there is there something to be said about the, the type of defense they're playing? Because I feel like this week, Allen Williams did dial up some more blitz packages, and it felt yeah. like they were getting some, some, some uh, pressure off of it. But do you think that the Bears defense can improve this season? I mean, I do, just because I think Allen Williams can improve as, you know, a, a, the man in charge of this defense, essentially. And he said it this week, or the week leading up to – the game that was like, hey, I know I need to get more creative in my pressure packages. We need to figure out how to get more pressure on the quarterback. He flat out said that. And he's figuring it out now. And you just, I mean, with the personnel changes and everything like that, I feel like you're kind of getting a feel for who can do what still. 
Um, but I did think it was interesting too. I, I had a chance to talk to Nicholas Morrow, who um, I thought had just taken over the Green Dot responsibilities since Roquan was gone. Um, and for those that don't know, the Green Dot is signaling that you have the headset in your helmet and you're in communication with the defensive coordinator. You're in charge of relaying the calls on the field. And that's usually, you know, it's usually a linebacker. Sometimes they're safeties. That's kind of a dying breed at this point in this, in this day's NFL. Um, but I thought that, Ro- I mean, Roquan had been doing it. And I thought that Nicholas Morrow took it over from Roquan. Turns out Nicholas Morrow has been doing it on and off all season. Him and Roquan have actually been trading off. Okay. And that was not something that I knew prior. And I went up to Nicholas and I was asking him about it. Nick, Nick, I should say Nick. I don't think anybody calls him Nicholas. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, it was just a very interesting conversation. And it got me thinking, you know, they must have been prepared then for this to be the case with Roquan. So while I was expecting to kind of see a drop off in maybe some of the organizational things and the communication and all that stuff on the field, given that they had a new play caller essentially in like in, in the player play caller, I should say mm-hmm. um, there wasn't because that was something that Nick had been doing. And so I think that they're still kind of like, they're just figuring it out still, but they have been, and they laid the groundwork for this kind of stuff further back than we, I think even knew um, mm-hmm. at least from that's, that's me putting two and two together. Um, and so they're going to continue to grow together, but yeah, I mean, this is Nick's first time doing that as, as far as the season goes. Um, this is his first season kind of doing that. And, um, I asked, I even asked Alan Williams, like what made him a good candidate for that? He said that he's really just, he's very smart. He understands all of the calls. He understands what everybody's doing on the field, um, at once. And that's what makes them trust him. But I think that he's still learning too. So the coach on down, they're still learning, but they're going to keep growing together. So it's encouraging to me. Yeah, I'm one of the young players who really stepped forward when given an opportunity. Jack Sanborn was out there all over the field, leading the team in tackles, I believe. A lot yes, of all... Fun story. Such oh, my God. Story. And you look at all the accolades. I know the Bears tweeted it out, and they're like, oh, look at all these great things he did. I'm like, well, he also had an interception. I know it was overturned, but the play was still made, you know, and I think that's one of the things that when you go back and look on film and we know now that the call was bogus, the, uh, the penalty was a, a complete flop that, you know, the, the referees bought into, which is like, that's embarrassing, by the way. I, yeah. Again, I don't want to harp on the referees too much, but it's embarrassing that you, that you get duped by things like that. But Jack Sanborn is no, nobody got duped by that. Like a lot of people had high hopes. I don't want to say expectations, but had high hopes for Jack Sanborn. It, he obviously met it. Is this something that I was it just the thing of like, oh, they're going up against the Lions? Or do you think that this is something that could be the building block of something? No, I think it's the building block. And actually, it's something that the Bears wide receivers coach said to me last week. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him. And this, this goes team wide. Um, they talk about loafs, right? And they're not yeah. the only team to talk about loafs, but everybody talks about loafs. But what he told me is that the way that they grade loafs is different than anywhere he's ever been before because they want players actively straining themselves to make the play. They don't want – it's not enough just to make the play or to be in your spot or whatever it is. They want to see effort show up on film mm-hmm. that they are actively trying to make that play and straining themselves and just going above and beyond constantly. And so when you talk about what showed up on the film for Jack Sanborn, yeah, he didn't get the interception, but guess what? That goes on film and yeah. everybody gets to see that. And everybody gets to see the effort that he is putting forth. 
And I mean, that's what's earned him this opportunity up until this this point as well. You go, going from special teamer to now starter. And once you're in the habit too, I feel like of going above and beyond, um, then it becomes kind of muscle memory. I think that's the thinking behind having that philosophy and grading the loafs the way that they do. And it's just, it's, it's manifesting itself in, you can see it in Jack. He's a really good example of what this coaching staff is instilling. And I think it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's something that you saw in him going back to training camp. We'd just been waiting for him to get his opportunity. He was one of those players that, you know, given, you know, he's not coming into the league as a first round draft pick. So he doesn't get to go in there and automatically play. He's got to work his way up the ladder, so to speak. We had been anticipating that once he got that chance, he was going to start making plays like that. And you talk about the effort and it, it leads me to something else. Talking about Kyler Gordon, a player that, again, in the early part of the season was making a lot of mistakes. We can argue about whether he should have been flagged for a roughing the passer or whatever, late hit, whatever it was, uh, against Jared Goff. I know somebody was point. Some people have pointed out, you know, like, well, he he missed the he missed the whiff. He he whiffed on the sack, and you're like, you know, players miss out on things. And I think when you talk about effort, you know, he didn't give up on the play, and right. he continued to follow the play. And ultimately, it led to a, a, a penalty to where it's like, well, if you would have just given up, I don't know. I don't understand what people are trying to insinuate. Because um, obviously, oh, if he would have made, oh, yeah, duh. Like, we get it. Like, if he would have made the play, like, he's a rookie. He's a learning. I think that a couple of years down the road, even next year, maybe next month, he's going to start making those plays. But when you see the effort that he put out there, and again, I would not have called that roughing the passer penalty or anything like that, because I'm obviously a very biased Bears fan. But I was taking away, and I was impressed by the effort, by the ability to stick with it, to go back and to make that penalty, or to make that penalty, but to make penalty and the play. What What is it, when, when that's graded out, when you look at the film, when the coaches are in there, and they go, do the coaches say like, yeah, you missed the sack, but you followed through. You got a penalty, but yeah, you followed through. What is the most important takeaway in a play like that? I mean, I think you're still going over kind of the fundamentals of why you would maybe overshot that, why you did, you know, kind of over pursue uh, the quarterback in that instance. But I do think that you get some some points for effort. I mean, you would definitely take that over a guy that doesn't make the play because he wasn't trying hard enough, right? So mm -hmm. they don't want to completely coach that out of these guys and to kind of like freeze up and hesitate so I think all coaches would probably not maybe not all but I would I would think that a lot of coaches um would take the guy that maybe over pursues or is a little bit too like overshoots a play um yeah. in the name of effort rather than having a guy that's just not on his spot so uh again that's correctable stuff though because yeah they're going to go back they're going to say all right you know this is you should have done this this and this different um but good job not you know like not like giving up on the play and yeah, you got a penalty for it. That, that kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up. But I mean, again, that's a, it's one of those questionable calls that can go either way. Um, and it's one of those, I feel like a lot of coaches too are like in those, those competitive penalties, they're totally okay with it's the one it's yeah. like the false starts and the pre-snap penalties that really get on coaches nerves. I feel like, or at least the ones I've been around that that was always the big thing was like, don't do anything before the snap, you know, don't put us behind the chains before we even get a chance to get out there. But like, Penalties like that, I think most coaches are usually okay with, obviously, as long as they're not egregious. But um, they would rather you try for that play rather than, you know, pull up, hesitate, and then the guy, you know, gets 10 more yards because he's skipping down the sideline. 
Yeah, there is. And there's something to be said about that, too, because if I remember correctly, when I'm looking at a lot of the the penalty calls of things that were going on in that game, I'm 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 not looking at the statistics. I'm not looking at the game sheet right now, but I feel like a lot of them were not like. I mean, you don't want holding penalties or anything like that, but a lot of it was not like, dude, that wasn't even a hold. That was this. That wasn't really, you know, like I feel like because everybody's like, well, what happened to this team? They were so disciplined. I'm like, well, I, I'm not blaming Braxton Jones for that first holding in the first quarter on that opening drive, which stalled out that drive because that was a very questionable call. Like, I don't even know why they're making that decision or what led them to do that. But it's like, I don't feel like they're, I, I just don't feel like they're sloppy. Like, I don't, I don't think like it's a thing like, they're not disciplined or anything like that. What happened to this team? I got. I don't think anything happened to this team. I think like for whatever reason, these referees are calling what they're calling, and it's very one-sided. I mean, you can look at it. Like I'm not trying to tell tales out of school, and I'm not blaming. Again, I'm not going to be that guy who just ultimately blames the official. But like you can tell, it's one-sided. And I think that when you're in the game, you know whether it's one-sided or not. You can't be that obtuse. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I feel like again, like some of the stuff that we see. I can live with as opposed to what you're saying about like false starts and other things. It's like, yeah, weird. Yeah. I think that's the end. Undis- like if, if you want to call a team undisciplined, I think it's the teams that yeah. Commit those pre-snap penalties, kind of those mental error penalties. Um, not the ones that are like, that can go either way that are just like all offensive linemen hold all of them do. It's yeah. just a matter of like, if you get a ref that decides to, you know, they're going to crack down and call it or if they see it or whatever, like, I mean, part of their job is, is, is holding. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they all do it um and you just so you're never gonna necessarily you're not you're gonna be able to coach that out of these guys in general but yeah i think yeah. they're not you're right they're not undisciplined if they were getting a ton of pre-snap penalties and some of the more boneheaded ones then i'm gonna say yeah all right they're a little undisciplined or if they're getting the unsportsmanlike conduct and they're not keeping their emotions in check and all the other stuff yeah um or hits to the head or poor tackling and fundamentals and all that kind of stuff then we can talk about being undisciplined but holding you know, questionable roughing calls, pass interference, all that kind of stuff. Those are those are just penalties you live with in the name of, comp- of competition. Yeah, and their one pass interference penalty in the in the end zone, I remember watching it and be like, ah, that was still a good penalty. Like you you got it. Like it's either it's either a penalty or it's a touchdown. So you got to do you right. like you're you were beaten right. on the play. Uh, you kind of you kind of you kind of grabbed them prevented him uh okay yeah. good job like some you never know like that that they're the lions they might not they might not get that call i mean i'm sure the lions fans could be sitting there watching this and be like there's been plenty of times this year where we've been on the wrong end of these calls so i'm sure it you got to do it like and listen anybody who's played competitive sports knows that they, there's times where you're beat and you're just like f it like okay like i'm gonna i'm gonna call them i'm gonna grab them i'm gonna do this nothing dirty uh, you've been beat and you're going to go out there and you're like, I'm going to do this. And like, sometimes it doesn't get called. So, you know, what? you're like, yeah, that was a penalty. Like we're, like, we're not irrational people. We're not, I'm not saying that the bears never commit a penalty. Like we can sit here and be like, yeah, you're right. You, you did that. There are some of them. You're like, okay, that, that was, a that, that made sense. But I don't know. I just, I guess the things that, that are just so off putting to me, um, like last night, the end of the Monday night game, the referee that threw the penalty on the Eagles defenders really pimped that. Like he he was he was pimping that like it was Aaron Judge hitting his 60 second home run or whatever it was. Like he threw that flag that had more airtime than a Ray Guy punt. Like it was crazy. Like 
do you think that we're here to see you? Like, I don't know. That's, but I, again, that we're getting off the point and I don't want to go, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole that uh, I'm sure I could dig myself into. I'll, maybe I'll do that when you bounce. I'll go. Okay. I'll go. Off. Okay. I'll clear, I'll clear the air. What's, oh my gosh. Well, uh, what's, there it is. What's, what what's with the rest though? Exactly. I will what, say this. You asked. What? Say it. I will say, I will say this. Like we, yeah. Like the complaining about officiating it's, it's warranted because I mean, this is all human error, right? I yeah. still, what I don't understand is like, like they're going to make errors. I get it. You're going to miss things, whatever. We, we have more technology though to yeah. decrease what these guys are responsible for calling like stuff at the goal line. Like you can't tell me you can't put a chip in the ball and like, yes. so that it knows when it goes over the plane, like there, that technology exists already. And that's what drives me nuts is I'm not, I'm not necessarily even faulting the refs for missing things or whatever, because it is so subjective, but like, there's a way to take that subjectivity out of this. And we have technology to do that. So that is what I am more upset about, or I am more a little bit more fired up about is like, why aren't we implementing stuff like that? Because that would add to the integrity of the game, um, not take away from it, I feel like. But, you know, who am I? Oh, I know. And it's it's so frustrating that I, I think you even ch- uh, tweeted out the thing about the chip in the ball. Uh, yeah, I, I did. Because I was like, tell me why. Tell me why we can't do this. Does it change, like, would it change the weight of the football? Would it do something fundamentally to it? Like, I just feel like if you have, there's got to be some, there's got to be some fiber optics that you can put it on both, both noses of the football and you line it up. There's something on the goal line. I don't even think it would matter that. I mean, like these guys have, listen, these guys have chips in their pads. Like the, the, the Amazon prime broadcast. Like it has all the next gen stats and stuff. Like these guys pads are literally chipped up. Like they have technology in their pads. So I'm like, there's, and like these chips also can be like so tiny. Like there's no way that it would really affect like the aerodynamics of a football when yeah. it's already made out of cowhide leather. Like this is, it's a thick material. You can just. It would like, go inside. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just, there's no way that like that would like, we have the technology to make that happen. I just don't understand why we haven't done Oh, that. there's, there's gotta be something. They haven't sold it to somebody. The NFL has got to figure out a way to monetize it. Like, I was going to say. Become- the official IBM, the official chip provider of the ball, whatever. Somebody once once one of these tech companies comes up with that idea and is like, "We'll pay you a billion dollars to put this technology Hi. in your football." There I it is. The idea. Give me money. Give me there money. I came up with no. The idea. You have to, you have to have no. You just can't. You're not Steve Jobs. You got to do more than come up with the. You have to come up with the actual chip if you want to be paid for it. Well, I am clearly not smart enough for that. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Um, I know that I'm I I held everything up today. I know you got to bounce. You got a hard out. Why don't we let everybody know how they can reach Carmi V on Twitter, on the Instagram? I think that I'm in trouble with one of the fantasy guys on Instagram. I don't know. I'll talk about that. Oh no. But whatever. We'll worry about that. I'm going to stay on for a little bit because uh, I don't want Sammy to go to bed. I'm going to keep Sammy up tonight. But we're going to let you go. Uh, we I appreciate you that. being on as always, and uh, here being with us, giving us the great insight. So, uh, and by the way, where are you going this week? Are you, so you don't have a game to go to this week. I don't have a game to go to this week. I will be in Minnesota. My next game I'm going to is Minnesota on Thanksgiving. So Minnesota oh. Patriots. Minnesota. Oh, how New fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna, I, I am very excited actually to go up to Minnesota to see what their Thanksgiving spread is going to be like. Beautiful. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you get out of here? There she goes. Get her out of here. The great Carmi V. We appreciate her. Oh, that poor young lady had to sit there. While I was out there fighting Southern California traffic, as you can tell, I'm not in the NFL Network offices. I'm at home. 
Uh, my kids are downstairs being rabble rousers, but they're cool. They're chilling out. They haven't busted through the door yet. So that's uh, been somewhat of an amazing situation. But I do want to continue to answer some questions. And I'm glad, though, that we were able to clear the air a little bit about the referees. And speaking of the air, we spend 90% of our time indoors. And indoor air can be five times dirtier than the air outside. An air pure air purifier can remove tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, wildfire smoke, chemicals, viruses, and all that stuff from your breathing air. Uh, like the kids are in school, they're all coming back with viruses. But check this out. If you go to airpura.com, use the code SICK7, you'll get 7% off your purchase at airpura.com. Get an air purifier from airpura.com. Our friend Sean, uh, who goes to the Rip Beer Company, who uh, we, we he goes to the Rip Beer Company with us on Sundays. We'll be there this Sunday as well. PCH location. We've had a great job. Our friend Jason uh, joined us. He drove down from Fresno to come to uh, to watch the games with us there at Rip Beer Company. It's an awful lot of fun. By the way, um, if you're in Las Vegas, in the comments section, if you're in Las Vegas, if you've been to Las Vegas, if there is a good Chicago Bears bar in Las Vegas, please drop a note in the comments right now. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Our friend Sean is going to be out there for a conference. I told them to take the early flight. I'm like, what are you doing? There's a 6 a.m. flight to Vegas. Jump on that bird, and then you go and watch the games all day. And, of course, the Bears, Falcons this week. Um, but how about some more questions, Sammy? I want to I want to keep going for a little. Oh, my gosh, a little late to the show, but we have a QB. You know what, David? Thank you so much for, for reminding me of that. And, by the way, I want to track the, uh, the evolution of Dan Orlovsky, who is now calling for Justin Fields to be in the MVP conversation. Think about where Dan Orlovsky has come, where his starting point to where he is now. And this is why Dan will probably never come on the show, even though we've asked him repeatedly. He won't do it. Probably because, number one, uh, we continue to hold the receipts. And it's not anything like – it's not anything about like you saw that thing where it was like Zach Wilson, Tier 1, Zach – level 10 or whatever it was, Justin Fields. He was talking about the team around Justin Fields. The whole point of it was, the whole thing, the whole issue I have uh, when people were talking about Justin Fields and something that Dan Orlovsky brought up, and I think Chris Sims brought it up as well, is that they were spreading a rumor that Justin Fields was the last guy in the building, the first one out, insinuating that he was lazy in the pre-draft process, which in, in retrospect, might have been something that helped us get Justin Fields, which is why we were able to jump up and grab him in the draft. But at the same time, like when you when you start saying things like that, I don't think that he's ever owned that. I don't think that he's ever like some of the other stuff he said, like oh, I never like whatever. But he kind of skirts around the issue. I remember Bucky Brooks calling him out because I remember back in the time when this was going on. This was during the draft ramp up era. And I remember being upset about this because I was a huge – listen, everybody who's been with me since day one knows I was a huge Justin Fields fan. My Instagram feed leading up to the draft was all about, I hope the Bears find a way to get Justin Fields. Please don't let him go to the 49ers. Please don't let him go to the New England Patriots, who I knew was going to be drafting a quarterback. So I was, I've was i been a Justin Fields fan since his time at Ohio State. So I remember being very upset about that. But it's very – interesting the way that the the narrative has now shifted to where like ah you know what there's going to be no way to evaluate him as a quarterback 
I remember our friend Connor Orr suggesting that he should enter the NFL draft portal, which, by the way, I'm breaking this to Anello and Sammy. Uh, we've got Connor Orr coming onto the show Friday, uh, our Friday podcast. Connor Orr, yeah, I'm telling you right now, Sammy. Uh, Connor Orr's agreed to come on. He wants, he actually asked to come on to say that to have a Mia Copa with Bears fans. And he is going to be donating money to a charity that is near and dear to the Chicago Bears fans' hearts. I have not figured that out yet. We can help him figure that out. I don't think he needs, you know, I'm not going to stop him from donating money to charity, but it's going to be awesome uh, having Connor Orr on. Plus, we also have, you know, uh, Lawrence Jackson Jr. will be joining us. He'll be the ranks rival this week. We'll probably get him to stick around for Fantasy Island. So, yeah, uh, Fantasy Life, Lawrence Jackson Jr. Uh, is going to be joining us. So, we're going to have a great show. We're having a great show right now. But again, the question was, or the comment was, is we have a quarterback. That is one of the things that I think that we wanted to see. You know, going into this season, we were of the mind, hey, you know what? Let's make sure that we have the quarterback that we think that we have. And I was confident. I never wavered. I always felt Justin Fields was going to be our quarterback, going to be our quarterback future. But now everybody else is starting to recognize it. I mean, they're starting to already talk about him being a pro bowler. They want him to be in the MVP conversation. And now it's all about him developing. And, you know, but at the same time, like, again, and I go back to this, let's win. Developing a winning culture also helps. And I think that one of the next steps in Justin Fields' development is learning how to close those games. Over the last two weeks, he's had an opportunity to win games, which I don't put on Justin Fields. I think that when this team becomes one-dimensional, it is a issue with the offensive line. Now, if people might point to the quarterback and be like, Justin Fields, and you, well, look, look at the line. When teams know that the Bears have to pass, the offensive line's issues suddenly resurface. And they become an issue. But when I, I, I feel that Luke Getze should have spent, especially when, when you need just a field goal, I would like to see some more designed runs in those two minute drills, like throw in a designed run. I don't care if he gets tackled, like put that fear in their hearts. Like Justin Fields is the scariest individual offensively on the gridiron. Let them go out there and run. I don't care if they risk getting tackled on a two yard gain or something like that. You have to make them think that you're going to run at any time. Dial it up and open up the whole field. Stop rolling out and, and limiting the field. I know, uh, I think it was Berlissimo or maybe it was JT O'Sullivan. There's so many great uh, analysts out there right now. But go out there and let them, you know, let them go out there and do their thing. But but let them fear that there is a, a running component during the two-minute drill. And I think that you'll see some more success, even though, um, you know, the last two weeks has been kind of a bummer. I was confident every time he took over. Like, oh, we're going to score. We're going to go out. We'll, we'll score here. We're going to score a winning touch. I, I was so ready to celebrate. And I remember just being dumbfounded, like, I don't know. I don't know. But again, I think it's more of the line. I think when they get one-dimensional, it's not a, it's not an issue with Justin Fields. I think it's more an issue of the line. And as Carmen said, you know, there's some more reshuffling of the offensive line. We were without our best guy, Tevin Jenkins. Imagine that a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. You know, with everything that was going on over the summer, that if we were in a spot in November, weeks from Thanksgiving, saying, well, if we had Tevin Jenkins, his injury is the one thing that was holding us back a little bit. So we do appreciate 
uh, how far he has come along with this process. We have our quarterback of the future. We have our stud lineman who is going to anchor that line for a long time. We got a lot of good pieces, a lot, a lot better than a lot of people are giving us credit for at the beginning of the year. All right, Sammy, do we have another question? Uh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I told, I told you uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter, shouldn't the ref call pass interference on the Cole Kamek collision? Uh, looks like it was done on purpose. Absolutely. You know what? You look at that call last night on the Monday night game uh, where they called the pick. Like that was, that was clearly like that seemed unintentional and they still called the pick. Clearly Cole Komet was running around. There was a collision, whether you call it inadvertent or not. Like I listen, there's a lot of inadvertent things that are called as pass interference. That absolutely should have been called pass interference. I mean, that almost took, that did take him out of the game for some, for some time. Those kind of things need to be called. And the Bears are not getting the benefit of the doubt. I guess that's the one thing that's really bumming me out the most is, and I remember when this play happened, you know, when we all know the pass interference that should have been called earlier, uh, when the Bears were up 14 and, you know, people are like, yeah, we're up 14. I'm like, no, this is how it starts. Like you've seen our defense play. That starts to change the tide because if that pass interference is called, I am convinced that the Bears go down, they score a touchdown. Maybe Cairo Santos makes that extra point, but at least they go up an extra. They go up by 20. Then the game's probably essentially sealed at that point. And remember, too, like, and I I could feel this as well after the penalty that negated Jack Sanborn's interception. Like, you could tell, like, the Lions are scoring. And there was a lack of energy. Like, I didn't want the Bears to celebrate. Once they saw the laundry. And even saying this, when Justin Fields had his long touchdown run, we I didn't even want to celebrate because I was waiting. I was waiting for the mystery flag to appear out of nowhere. But I guess Justin Fields is good enough to get the call. It's like they're not gonna, they're not gonna take away a touchdown from him, although they've done it before. They weren't gonna take it away from him. They're like, oh, we'll let him have his moment here. Sometimes, you know, like, you know, if you know the the lore of the Knicks landing Patrick Ewing, uh, there was a frozen envelope that David Stern was able to reach in. You wonder, like, oh, is the NFL, like, do they want us to have a top 10 pick? Is this what's going on? I don't believe in any of that. I just feel like they're just bad at their jobs. Like, we see, we see poor officiating in baseball, basketball. The NFL's getting egregious. I just think that these guys aren't doing very good at their job, and they got to be more mindful. And I think that people would rather see us playing football as opposed to not. And I then they miss like obvious face mask penalties. Like last night on Dallas Goddard, there was a face mask penalty that was not called a couple of weeks ago against the Dallas Cowboys. Tevin Jenkins had his helmet ripped off. All that stuff was going on. Nobody cared. But in any event, you know, it, it's fine. It's fine. We got to learn how to overcome these things. And I think that we will. It's a young football team and a young coaching staff. I've been impressed by the uh by the by the message that Matt Eberflus has sent us. All right, Sammy, do you have any other questions? Uh, what's been the difference between uh with the Bears offense over the last few games? Obviously, it's the designed runs and just really evolving the offense. I think that when the season first started, you know, I think Luke Getze wanted to slow play it and kind of see what's available, what works, what doesn't work. Can we make this work? I mean, ultimately, 
Justin Fields is a pocket passer who can run the ball. If you look back at his time at Ohio State, when he had Chris Olave and he had Garrett Wilson and all these guys, like he didn't have to throw the football. Or excuse me, he didn't have to run the football. He could. We saw him run very effectively. He could be a little bit more selective. And I think that three years down the road, maybe even next year, but at some point in the future, we're going to be looking at fantasy enthusiasts getting upset because Justin Fields doesn't run enough. And everybody's going to be upset, like, oh, he doesn't run like he used to. He just throws the ball all the time. That's that's going to happen at some point. Once the offensive line gets a little bit more consistency, once they add another pass catcher, that'll be the issue. Then, then he'll be throwing more touchdowns. But it'll be, it'll be good. He'll be throwing three touchdowns a game, four touchdowns a game. We're just not going to see it this year. I think that it's, you know, they they still have to run. And I know that our friend Clay Harbor was asking at some point, what do you do with, with Justin Fields? Do you try to limit his running and have him stand in the pocket a little bit more? I think that we've seen him be more effective in the pocket. We've seen the offensive line play a little bit better because they do run the football. So I think over the last couple of games, they've also increased the pass calls. And there's been times that he's made his reads and he looks through his progressions. He's like, it's not there. And then he moves on. And I just think that that's been better. And ultimately, like when, when, when he's designed to run the football, he now has that in his control. He has that in his grasp. You know, when he stands there in the pocket, he could get blindsided. Something bad could happen. But when he's running it, he can, he can slide. He can do his thing. He can take a knee. He can do whatever. He's, he's in control, and I think we want him to have control. All right, uh, do we have one more? Let's do one more, Sammy, if we can. Okay, I want wins. Players need to know that their hard work is paying off. You know what, Captain Jones, I'm glad you brought this up because, again, as much as people delight in better draft position, and it's, listen, if that's ultimately where it ends, that's fine. But every player on the field, is not guaranteed to be with this ball club next year. And as you said, Captain Jones, they want their hard work recognized and they want to go in and they want to celebrate. They don't want, they don't care how the Bears are going to do in 2024. They want to win right now. And I also think about this our friend Draft Dr. Phil and the Tate Never Lied Network, they were at Soldier Field this weekend, a celebration. And I know Phil's sons, my nephews, we're at their first game in Soldier Field. They want to leave that stadium with a victory. They want a memory of watching Justin Fields run all over the Detroit Lions. They left that ball game thrilled and excited because they saw one of the best quarterbacks in Bears history already defeat the Detroit Lions, and you go home and you have that memory. They don't want to know like, oh, well, we lost that game, but then we ended up with the eighth overall. Like, they don't care about that. You want to go to a game, you go to a game, you want to watch them win. You want to be entertained, sure. But you want to see your team win. You know, I, I've rooted for a number of losing teams, not just the Chicago Bears, but in other professional sports. Every time that I go to a game, I want to see them win. Every time I sit down and invest my time and effort, I want to see them, in, them win. Those players who are playing for paychecks, we need to be respectful to them and their hard work and know that, listen, the NFL stands for not for long. Those players who are on the field right now want to go out and win. You think Jack Sanborn 
was thrilled that our draft position was improved. He doesn't care. He's fighting for a job in the NFL. These players want to win. That's the way that I approach it. I can see the I can see the long I can see the long-term photo. I can see the law. I can see the big picture. But these guys still have to live in the short term and we want to see that. And by the way, if you're enjoying this podcast, whether you agree with what I said or not, please comment with the word sick. We need you to comment with the word sick. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, comment sick. Hit the like button. Don't be afraid to share it. Don't be afraid to tell some friends. I know a lot of the local media in Chicago can skew towards the negative. If you want to celebrate a little positivity, but also being realistic, hey, come to the sick podcast. Tell your friends about it. By the way, if you're listening to us as a podcast, like and subscribe. We do appreciate that. You can give us a five star or not. We appreciate it. But we'll take one more. One more question for us. What do we got? Oh, Ronnie, what's going on? Uh, what do the Bears have to do to improve the defense? I think, number one, play calling can be improved. I think Allen Williams needs to be more creative in ways to get pressure on the quarterback. I thought that this weekend they did a pretty nice job. I think over the last couple of games, even in the game against Miami, now they're giving up a lot of points for sure. But there were times, especially towards the end of the game, when the Bears needed to make stops, they could make stops. Kyler Gordon coming in on a blitz misses Jared Goff, of course. This starts a chain of events. Those type of plays just need to be played, just need to be made. So there are some schematic things that are being changed. I think that Alan Williams, listen, and I know, again, I go back to our friend EJ, who sometimes they play, they play a lot of zone. They really do. And we can agree with that or not. The coaches are there in the building. There's there's a philosophical reason why they're playing so much zone. I'm sure somebody smarter than me can explain it. I feel like they're making schematic adjustments. The players are learning. we got a lot of young players. So I think it's just a matter of execution. I know that Matt Eberflus talks about this an awful lot. It's a matter of execution. And you know what? There's going to be some growing pains. We're going to miss some sacks. There's, there's going to be some guys that slip out of tackles, but you know what? We need to cut those down. And if there are one or two, three, three or four key plays in every contest, or if you make a sack here, stop them behind the line of scrimmage there, you will do enough. This team is not going to be shutting up opposing teams. It's just not going to happen. Not this year. We're not going to hold that, an opposing offense to three points. It's just not going to happen. If you can make some key stops, and once again, They've been putting Justin Fields in a position to win or tie games at the end in the fourth quarter. We need to start taking advantage of those opportunities. So I think it's something that, again, that'll be worked on. There are, the adjustments are being made. You see it. You see it. You see Alan Williams working. We can agree to disagree on whether he calls too much zone or not. But you can see they're mindful of it. They watch the film. There are adjustments being made. Now it's starting to come down to execution. And by the way, I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Thank you for bearing with me on my lateness. I do appreciate it. I hate to keep harping on that, but do appreciate everybody who joined us tonight, leaving some great questions. We always appreciate it. By the way, thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy, at Air, Pura, Air Purifiers, and thanks to each and every one of you. Uh, again, we're going to have a great show on All oh, I Can't Wait for Friday. Connor Orr. Lawrence Jackson Jr. It is going to be a great show. It's going to be off the hook. And we got a great game this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Rip Beer Company, 
PCH location in Huntington Beach is going to be the place that you can catch it if you're in the Southern California area. So thanks to everybody for being here. Thanks to Carmi B for, for joining us, for Anello, for Sammy, and for me. Bear down, and we'll see you on Friday. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.